Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right, welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Jacob, man, we are uh, we're getting out of a, a slight drought, aren't we, down here in South Mississippi? Man, we're getting some rain today. Well, we got rain yesterday, today, and I think we've got another stretch coming tomorrow, so... Yeah, let's tell everybody you know about the weather. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a episode of Outdoor Country Talk without leading off without the weather, would it? Well, and the funny thing is, is you and I are probably the least, you know, set up to be, you know, weathermen. But I don't know. I mean, the weatherman only has to get it right like ten percent of the time, and he keeps his job. So we could probably yeah. spend a quarter. I was or, I was just going to interject it, and nobody knows who I am as I'm popping in here with this voice, but. You know, I'm of the age we talk about weather every day. I believe you guys are about a decade or two younger than that. So <laughs> you really don't have an excuse to talk weather every day. You should well, you J- should be talking something else. Well, Jacob, I think this is a fine time to introduce our uh, our third weatherman that's going to be on with us today. <laughs> the, the mystery <laughs> voice. Uh, and he's actually going to be on with us quite a bit in the future. So. You know, and and let's go ahead and do this. We've got a lot of new firsts today, so folks that are listening, uh, you know, we we've got a new studio that we're starting to set up in. We had a, a building come available, and we're going to move into it. And we also have a new deal that we worked out. We are teaming up with GSM Outdoors to do their podcast for them. And with us today, we have Mr. Keith Beam with GSM Outdoors. Mr. Keith, how are you today? I am doing very fine. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we're excited about this. You know, it, it's one of those things. You guys reach some great people. You've got some great topics. Uh, you care about the industry. You like the grassroots idea. That kind of matches everything that I believe in hand in hand right there. Well, I know Jeremy and I have been talking about this for a while, and we, you know, we, we, had, we had pitched it, and we were kind of hoping it would come through, and when it did, it was like, hey, that actually worked. I like this. This is going to be really good. It, it'll give us great content to keep for our listeners, give us you know, new voices for everybody to hear so it keeps everybody educated and informed. And I, I just – it's going to be a great, great thing going forward. So we're well, really, too, we're really and, proud to and, have you know, all on with, board. With the us. way GSM is, I mean, they're focused on solely the, in, the industry, but they have so many avenues going down the industry, if you will, you know um, – you know, Mr. Key, tell it tell us, you know, a little bit about GSM and, and what all and what all avenues y'all go down in the industry. Well, it, it's really fun since I've come aboard just with them and I'll give you some history of who I am and what I've done in this industry. But I have been blessed to be in it for 27 years. And three years ago, I came aboard with the acquisition of new archery products. And I started learning about GSM. Well, since that time, we have done this super aggressive procurement uh, situation where we've acquired great companies and have wrapped them all up and put them underneath our wings and are launching this. It's just this monster of a business. GSM is 20, 23 companies or something like that. And it's all those different breasts of great products that kind of make it a one-stop shop for, you know, the dealers or for the consumers. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's all housed in the warehouse, you know, with us, and it, it's it's shipped from the same spot. So when you have orders that, that stretch from HS strut and turkey calls all the way over to tech mats for gun cleaning, 
uh, it's, it's going to go out in one box. And that's what's so cool about it is we are a big, mean, angry machine. Well, I know, you know, from, from you know, probably the common person, they may not have ever, ever heard of GSM, but I guarantee you they've heard about some of the companies within GSM. Is that fair yeah, to say? I would agree with that 100%. I don't know too many folks that don't know Walker game here. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a rundown just, just so that you can get kind of a, an understanding of the breadth and, and the powerful brands that we really have. The neat thing about it, though, is we're the innovators. We're not just the acquisitioners and, and try to ship it back out. Uh, we're taking all these brands, and we're the, the innovators of new product. We're the manufacturers. We're the sourcing. We're the distribution. So we are this one-stop platform. But I, like I said, we own Stealth Cam. Walkers, Muddy, Hawk, Big Game, Birchwood Casey, New Archery Products, Hunter Specialty, Hunting Made Easy, Shooting Made Easy, Bullseye Camera Target Systems, Cyclops, Boss Buck, American Hunter, Western River, Viking Solutions, Coyote Light, Crossfire Holsters, Scent Slammer, Ammo Pal, Down and Out, and Tech Map. And if you've heard any of those names that seem familiar to you from, you know, Coyote Light to, uh, you know, American Hunter, it, it's, it's, we have these. These are our brands, and it's a, a place that is fun to be a part of. It's, it's very exciting because, you know, we can offer people uh, a great breath. Well, I know from my end of it, being an avid hunter, you know, several of the brands, brands you have named off, I own multiple products from multiple of you know different ones of those so you know it's and i would bet most hunters in this area do you know the well, the, the, the greatest the greatest example sorry you mean to cut you off jacob but one of the greatest examples is birchwood casey now we've rebranded it so the logo looks new and, and, and some of our products are so much more technologically advanced than they were when we acquired it but when you look at your gun cleaning kit and you look at your gun case chances are it's a birchwood casey and it was like one of the largest unknown companies, really, or, or unrecognizable companies there was. And I was digging through uh, one of my shotgun cases, and I, I have this uh, Birchwood Casey gun cleaning oil, and it's sitting in there with a rag and a Ziploc bag. And, you know, that's from 18 years ago. So, you know, we just acquired it last year, and you sit there and you go, wow, I never knew that's what I used. So that's that's the fun part about it. Well, that's, you know, when you were naming off, when you hit the coyote light, uh, I've got one of those, had one for, I don't know, the last four or five years. And it was it was just neat. I know when we started researching y'all and kind of digging into it that, you know, the more I looked at GSM Outdoors, the more I realized, okay, I already own some of those products. All right, never mind. All right, I own more than I actually thought I did. <laughs> and I'm sure the more that we dig into it and the more we talk about it, it's going to be like, well, yeah. Okay. I've I've helped fund that for quite a while. Well, it, I'll throw this out to Jeremy to you and, and to all the listeners. How many have heard of the Thunderhead? Okay, the Thunderhead broadhead, fixed blade, replaceable blade broadhead, first one that was mm-hmm. ever ever built like that. Well, that's new archery products, and that was Andy Simo, the founders. Um, you know, first replaceable blade, fixed blade broadhead, and talk about you know survive the test of time. <laughs> that thing's patent was 27 years ago, and it's still to this day 
uh, taking animals. Uh, yeah, st- still a relevant product. I would, yeah, you, you, I would it, be it's willing. Killed, it's killed more than the plague. I mean, <laughs> you know, EHD. This thing's real. Yeah. I would almost be willing to bet if you look in my shop, there's probably one screwed into an aluminum broadhead or arrow <laughs> at the shop. So, uh-huh. with, with actual actual feathers on there. No, no, I'm not quite that old. We actually had fletching. Oh, right. uh, yeah. you, you never got into the bag. feathers. Never quite got into the feathers. <laughs> I did all mine with sinew and, and some real turkey feathers and barred feathers off the bird that I missed or blew the feathers off. I kept them so I could fletch my arrows. I'm not sure if I'm buying that, but I'm going to go ahead and say okay. Okay, I'm 55 years old, so I'm not that old, but boy, I'm not young anymore. Mm-mm. Well, you know, we do have a gentleman here that every couple of years he'll reach out to me and ask me if I have any extra turkey feathers uh, because he does do his own fletching. Um, oh, that's awesome. It's not something I do, but I, I'll save him some feathers and and make sure that he gets what he asked for. And, you know, I, and now that I think about that, I don't think he's ever brought me anything for that nice <laughs> service that I provide. So I may have to check in on that next time he calls. Yeah, I just say if you're listening right now, feel free to stop by and take me to lunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I need all the technology advances I can get, so I'm not going to go that route. <laughs> well, Mr. Keith, yep. while we've got yes, everybody sir. in the first time that you're on here, let's let's give everybody your background and kind of walk through, you know, where you've been at in this industry and how you got to where you are today. Uh, in the industry. I started a company with Brooks Johnson in 1993 called Double Bull Archery. We were the first hub-style pop-up hunting blind. We were the first hub-style blind uh, in existence. And we got that thing rocking. Of course, we were really kind of the first commercial ground blind. And so you can just figure out the amount of growth that flew through there. Now everybody's got a hub-style blind and it's been knocked off and all my pans have been knocked off, you know, 10 ways from Sunday. But the, the first style hub style line came out in uh, production was 1994. So we launched it ourselves, built this company up. Uh, one time we had, and of course, that was all American made. We had 31 full-time sewers. You know, we had seven guys in the office in the manufacturing part of it. We had our television show, our video series. Uh, we were the title sponsors of quite a few shows. Uh, most notably probably is Jay Gregory's Wild Outdoors. And... So we grew it to the point where we couldn't take it any farther without buying a new building again and, and trying to, you know, bring it all in-house. And uh, we had been the sponsor, one of the sponsors of Primo's Hunting Calls out of Florida, Mississippi. And Will had tried buying us on and off. Uh, then they were acquired by a company called Optronics. And they were a very unique uh, sourcing lighting company that had a passion for hunting and they acquired Primos. Well, when that happened, uh, I think, <laughs> I know you guys are from Mississippi. I don't, I don't think we were spending Will's money anymore. His purse strings were tied pretty tight, but all of a sudden we were spending Optronics. And uh, yeah, so we came aboard. We were purchased by Optronics under the Primos heading and brought into a work with them. So I continued working on with Primos for seven years, eight years. And then I launched a kid's book line called Drake's Adventures, D-R-A-K-E-S, Adventures. And it's an interactive sound book line that I really wanted to grab uh, youngsters, zero to six years old, and kind of immerse them in the great outdoors and teach them honors and traditions. 
And that project there uh, failed. Uh, it cost me both my farms and a house. But it's one of those things that I believed in. It. You know, we have a GoFundMe page. I'm not trying to pitch people, but there's a really neat – if you want to GoFundMe and you look up Drake's Adventures, there's a video that I talk about how the industry has changed and how the numbers are declining. So that was my passion. I was privy to being in some meetings with Will. And we would go to, you know, NWTF or you go over to NRA or Safari Club and, you know, like Pheasants Forever, Ducks and Lens, some of these and the younger kids, you know, the membership was getting older and older, similar to the hunting license purchases. And the newcomers were becoming less and less. And the overall number was getting quieter and quieter. And so I made it my mission that I would develop a kids book line that would immerse them into a couple hunts they'd press some sound buttons you know hear turkeys gobble or hear a deer you know grunt snort wheeze and you know get them all kind of action-packed and i didn't do it in a downloadable form i probably should have because i would have probably kept most of my livelihood but i did it in a printed copy because i talked to so many pediatricians that told me that when a kid sees the page turn his heart rate goes up his, his blood pressure rises he's anxious to see that next page when they swipe left or right there's no real anticipation to it so I, I wanted to develop this thing the right way. Unfortunately, it, it did not work. But after that, I developed a couple broadheads. I uh, went to New Archery Products, pitched it to them, came on board with them full time. And we were acquired by GSM in 2017. And with that, uh, here I am with GSM. So it's been a, a great ride. Uh, the industry has been wonderful to me. I have been so blessed to meet so many great people. You know, we used to sell double bowl archery at every single retail show there was and all these consumer shows, and, and you just get to meet some great people. And it's just, it's a really wonderful family. And, and you know, my whole goal the whole time it has been let, let's grow the sport. And that's what was so neat about ground blinds. And it wasn't built for that reason. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, we came up with a great idea and we rocked it. But we all of a sudden become aware that so many people could take their kid and even though he couldn't sit still, they could call in a big gobbler. Or they could take their wife and she's never been turkey hunting with him before because she just wasn't going to be comfortable sitting on a tree and sit still. You know, now you can sit out there and you can kind of carry on a little bit. and You've got all this great camaraderie, whether it be your son, your daughter, your grandfather, anybody. And lo and behold, you're killing turkeys. So it, we, we did a lot for the industry. We did a lot for the industry accidentally like that, but it worked out for the best and it was good for the industry. So here I sit talking to two wonderful gentlemen. I just recently had the, the chance to meet a couple of weeks and I'm very thrilled to be on this show. And I'm glad to see that there, there's a, a place, a platform that we can spark interest, uh, share stories and, and, teach honors and traditions whether it be in a screwball way uh from me or serious way from these guys here so i'm just bracing yourself i'm warning you i'm just warning you <laughs> but that's that's my story where's keith i got a question out of that you know you've been you've been in the, the business side of the industry for for that long how what changes have you seen you know just personally you know things you've noticed over over the years in the industry and, and you know do you think it's more positive than negative or or what, what do you see there um there's there's been a, a part of this industry that has increased and that's crossbows and i'm not going to necessarily give my opinion on them i think they have the their place in it 
Um, it's a shame, though, for all the you know independent dealers. Double Bowl had 1,100 independent dealers. You know, so we weren't not just selling to Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops and and some of the other places that would carry us. We had independent archery shops, and these archery shops rock and rolled it for us. And we got to know the archery business through all of our dealers and, and the inner workings of an actual archery shop and what goes on. The crossbow, when it came out, it does. It, it helps older people. It's great for getting kids involved. My little daughter, you know, likes to shoot it. You know, it, it's great. She's not strong enough to pull a bow back where you kill a deer or whatever, but she'll shoot a crossbow. And those kind of things are great. And, and I, you know, they're legal in most states. They're legal here in Wisconsin. But I'm not jumping on a soapbox. I'm just saying that what happened was everybody bought a crossbow. And when you do that, you're done accessorizing. You don't buy a new release because it came out. You're not going to try a new site because so-and-so site company came out with this great new technology you have a crossbow it's sighted in and it's done you know you can go out before the season and shoot three arrows and you're gold you know whereas archery when i started off shooting a recurve fred eichler and i shot hand in hand in every tournament there was you know we started double bowl actually out in loveland colorado and that's where him and don ward and, and brooks and i we, we took each other on and we shot all these traditional archery shoots and it was passion romance it was you know, that's a word that means the flight of the arrow, the arc of the arrow. And with these crossbows, you're seeing a lot of these archery shops uh, struggle because they're not selling a new bow every year. They're not selling accessories. They're not selling extra arrows. They're not fletching them a different color. You know, they're not doing this. So that's one thing that I've seen. It's good for the sport because a lot of people came onto it that were gun hunting and came over to it. And that's, that's fantastic. That's kind of what it was meant for. But on that same side, I have so many independent archery dealers that I truly love and adore. You know, they've been at my wedding. They've been to my parents, you know, or my dad's funeral. These guys come from a long ways off because we have such great relations. And I just don't want to see the independent archery dealer uh, die. Fortunately, it, it, it's, it's quivering on that. You know, the whole archery industry in general has been stagnant. And they always say, oh, there's three million bow hunters. Well, for 15 years, I bought nine turkey or nine states where the turkey licenses, you know, hunting them with my bow, and I hunted seven or eight states for deer. You know, so you can't say there's three million licenses sold, so there's three million bow hunters. Numbers are a little skewed. You know, it's I wiped out 15, you know, right there. So, and, and there's a lot of us like that, you know, and you guys have probably done, you've probably gone somewhere else and hunted somewhere. It's a different state, maybe gone out west. And I, I want to see the industry grow. And I want to see more and more people get involved. Uh, the other thing that I've really seen in this industry, and I'm part of it, is giant conglomerates. You know, we are we are the monster. You know, GSM is the rocker. You know, if you were to think a Hulk coming into the industry, that that's us. And we're bringing great products. We're bringing products that are helping everybody becoming more proficient dealers become you know less needy on going to here to here to here to place orders and place it a one-stop shop get it taken care of so on and, and and we actually love our independent base and that's one of the neat things about gsm but there's a lot of change you know there's a lot of uh, companies that have sold out and you know the big boys running around there's three or four of us big companies out there all battling for you know everything but it's one of those things that I just, in my heart, I never want to see it die. And, you know, I grew up flinging arrows and I'm still flinging arrows. Like I said, I'm 155 years old. So there's a lot of history there. 
you guys catch that or do you sleep? <laughs> I did. You went from 55 to 155. No, I called okay. it. Thank you. Um, there'll be a test at the end of the show. So everybody asleep um, will have to be woke up and see how you do. But uh, no, it's, it's, there's been some changes. It's a great industry. Um, I'm more into the shooting side of it now. You know, we own walkers. We own Birchwood Cases. We own Tech Mat. And so now I'm getting to play around on, on the firearm side of it. So it's a, it's a really good change for me. Well, another topic you hit a few minutes ago, you know, you said going to the shows, you got to meet a lot of the family, uh, you know, the, the people at the shows, you know, made friends with basically some of them have become like family. Are you seeing, are the shows, you know, are they doing as well as they were 20 years ago? Is it as many people coming out to the shows, to NWTF, to, you know? No, and, and we're, we're in this situation right now. Of course, you know, everybody can skew numbers. You know, I majored in statistics. I did go to school in southern Arkansas, right on the border of Louisiana, just north of Monroe, Louisiana. So when you all talk a little bit like that, I can match you right up there. So I'm just telling you right now that, that the show numbers have decreased. Um worrisome you know fear factors and if you take this year all of our shows from middle of february on were canceled you know the nra show now you got that show you got the deer and turkey classics you got you know and those spread out to i think seven states now or six states and all of this covid and the fear has taken that away and you wonder if it's going to come back because you need those little shows you know, as bigger and bigger conglomerates, there's less and less people attending them because they can go to one website like ours and see 23 brands. Okay. You know, so that eliminates a lot of them wanting to go to the shows and see what's different. However, though, we do need those shows because we need people in attendance. We need our voice strong. But most of all, there are little companies that, you know, the double bold days, you know, for two or three years, we had a 10 by 10 booth with one blind in it. You know, and, and a banner off the back of, of the booth, you know, saying Double Bowl with our logo. You have to have those little shows so that you get noticed. Now, well, I know me as a consumer, and I'm, I don't know if, if y'all are the same as I am. I don't know if most of our listeners are the same, but I like to put my hands on a product. Mm-hmm, I exactly. can look at it online and I get an idea of what I like, but I still want to, even if I'm going to the store to look at it, and if I go back and buy it online. But I still want to go put, whether it's clothing, whether it's a gun, whether it's, you know, a, a blind or, or any product out there, I still want to touch it, feel it, see if I like it before I go and make that purchase. I know last year I was looking at a, a jacket and it was a, a high dollar jacket with a good company. And I I had been told that, hey, you better check the sizing. You, I wear an XL. Well, when I got over there and tried it on, the XL was almost like a large on me. So I had to get the 2X to make it fit right. And I was like, you know, if I had spent that much money on that and got the wrong size, that my, you know, it, my feelings would have been hurt. So I'm, I'm still one where I like hands-on more. And I like to talk to the dealers. You know, when we go to shows, Jeremy and I, you know, our role has changed over time. And I know as yours has you know, we're not going just as a consumer anymore. We're going to meet people in new contacts to interview or, or talk to on a podcast, get new stories. And, you know, so we're we're doing a little bit of networking the whole time. And, and I think most people that go to shows are wanting to do that. They're wanting to talk to the person they've seen on TV or the person that actually creates that product to get a little more firsthand knowledge. Oh, exactly. 
you know, it, that, I, before GSM, before I came aboard with GSM, I, I bought a uh, bipod for a little twenty-two rifle that me and the kids were shooting. And I bought it off of one of the giant uh, online retailers. And it looked like this was going to be like a bipod that was super heavy duty and super tough. And you had all these different height adjustments and so on and so forth. You mount it on the gun. It's like two and a half inches off the ground. You extend the legs so it's five inches off the ground. And it's the wobby, you know, little spindly thing. And it, it was just a heart-wrenching situation. It's like, sorry, kids, we'll just use sandbags. You know, we're not going to use this cool-looking bipod. It, it, it's because it looked really good in the photo, but... Uh, in person if i'd have been able to hang on to it i'd have never bought it well and you run into that with everything whether it's a, yep. a scope of binoculars a, a, a wrist a, like you say a bipod clothing decoys uh you know you you always want to actually see it feel it before before and and you know we purchase a lot of things online now i know everybody does you know people listen to this podcast online not knocking anything online but I still like to, you know, shake a hand, look at a product, hear a little bit more about it. Now, I don't always have to know the, you know, the the entire ins and outs of it, which a lot of times folks will, you know, it shows they want to give you the the history from the ground up. And it's like, look, how is this going to help me be a better hunter? I don't need to know that, you know, in Grandma's Kitchen 42 years ago, this idea was sprung. You know, just just give me the nuts and bolts to what it's going to pertain to me. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Jeremy, you're awful quiet over there. Man, I'm soaking this knowledge in. I am. You're writing, well, your head's you're writing things down for the test, the aren't you? <laughs> decibels, decibels in my voice going through your head. You're probably like, oh, God, I need a migraine medicine. Well, you said there was no, going to be a I test. No, man, I am so. thoroughly enjoying it. So whenever Double Boy, did you did you spend any time in Mississippi? I know. I, how did you get linked, linked up with, with Primos to make that transaction? Well, like I said, we sponsored their show for a lot of years. And during that, I became great friends with, you know, Will and Jimmy and Brad and, and Troy Ruiz and all those guys down there as we sent them blinds. And there was a lot of talk back and forth that we should get together and do a hunt, so on and so forth. So when we sold to them, um, one of the, the gigs that I do is I'm a graphic designer, but I'm a 3D animator. And so I put together a lot of pieces of their commercials, and I actually had this thing called uh, the Primos Minute. I think it's still in existence on the show today. But I came up with this idea with Brad that, hey, we'll kick out. I'll be in Wisconsin. I'll kick this great little one minute out of what a product does, how it how it benefits hunters, show how it's being used, show a couple hunts with it, and then, boom, right back to the real show. So we can cross-pollinate uh, different different platforms. So. When they uh, bought me, I or bought us, Brooks and I, uh, I would spend one week a month down there at their facility, and I would get you know the interviews with Brad and, and Will and Jimmy and so on. So they became a, a neat part of the family there, you know. And it was that you know it was a shame that when I did the kids' book, I had to leave. But that's another story that we'll cry at at a later time. But yeah, it's 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 fun. I spent a lot of time in Mississippi. Uh, it's always challenging. They'd always tell me that, oh, you guys and your double bowl and this archery turkeys, you know, you come down here and hunt a Mississippi bird and see if you kill one. Yeah, I kept telling them. I said, if there's one around, I'll, I'll put a blind up. And I'll kill them in a Walmart parking lot. 
um, you know, the, the blind is the key thing. And that is, is if it doesn't flap or shine in the sun, uh, turkeys are missing either a rod in the cone. I can't remember what Brian Lovett Jr., the, that biologist, told me one time at a show because I asked him, why do turkeys get so close? And, you know, they'll rub the side of the blind coming in. You know, it'll be a full strut. They'll scrape right alongside the blind, walking around it to come into decoys and, you know, killing things 11 yards away. And he's like, they're missing this part or this part of the eye. I can't remember which. But they have no depth perception or they have very little depth perception. So they're constantly moving their head, taking photographs, you know. And that's how their brain works. Well, if nothing moves, if that blind sits still, it's just a flat piece of whatever. But if you were looking at, he explained, if you were looking at a photograph in your hand and all of a sudden, you know, your uncle moved on the photograph, you would just sit there and stare at it. Something would spook you. And, and that's that's what happens if you're out there in the woods and you're sitting dead still up against a tree and you're decked out in camo and everything's fine. And all of a sudden you twitch, you know, to itch a, you know, a mosquito bite or something like that or scratch a mosquito bite. Um, you know, all of a sudden that turkey, bah, 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 he's gone flying away. And it, it you always wonder, how do they pick that up so quick? Well, it's, that's how it was explained to me, that they're staring at a photograph every second. And they're always moving their head because they, they're just trying to figure out depth. So I, I've, I've actually heard very, very similar to the same thing, that it's not the so much the camouflaging that you need when turkey hunt, which it's important, but it's stillness. When there's a turkey close... It, it ain't that he's he's spotting you know your bare your bare hand in a in a instance. It's that finger move or that that <laughs> head that head turn or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I've been blessed. I, we did we killed we killed Mississippi birds with our bow down there. We've killed them in a ton of states using nothing but archery. That's all I've really done with turkeys. I've shot two with a gun, um, but for twenty five years it's been chasing them with a bow. And it's one of the things that you can have birds so close to a blind that when you're zooming in the camera, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a little bigger production cameras, but when you zoom, you see the mechanics of the inside of that lens dial down or dial open. And I can promise you I have spooked more birds simply zooming in, you know, just to get that super neat, you know, like cinematic shot of their eyeball, you know, twitching and their you know, eyelids shut, you know, and, and they, they just, it's really cool to try to get that, but you've got to be so cautious that they might, you know, if the sun's right, if there's sun coming at you, they're going to see the inner workings of that lens move. And it's just amazing. They pick up on everything. That's where blinds that are black backed and you're wearing black on your upper body and black gloves because that's usually the closest thing to the animal use your bow hand um it's taboo on them you know and, and it's not really camouflage uh the camouflage starts playing a part when you're deer hunting uh when you're doing things that you really need to be a, a good size old white tail well speaking of camouflage on a blind my daughter last year two years ago we killed a turkey out of the blind. I had set the blind up the spring before, and we had hunted out of it and not had success. Well, everybody knows that if you leave a blind out all year long, it has a tendency to sun fade. <laughs> or turn pink or blue. Uh-huh. It, this one happened to be pink, and it was a light, lovely shade. And I'm like, this is horrible. I'm going to have to get a new blind in here. But I said, you know what? The turkey, we roosted him in there that evening. I said, we're coming back in the morning. We're just going to sit in the blind, and we'll see if it bothers him. 
they were so used to it being there that yeah, but, even with the flap down and me and an eight-year-old girl in it, they never paid it any attention. It was nine yeah. hens and a gobbler come out, and when he came out to hit that strutter decoy, he paid no attention to us whatsoever. And That's when it's fun. I mean, even the hens, the hens were within 10 feet. Because I told Kim, I said, baby, you've got to be still. They are right there. And I'm like, they're fixing to bust us. And then he came out, saw the decoy, and when he went on attack, we didn't pay attention <laughs> to hens anymore. But, yeah, but, it, but doesn't, it was it doesn't a pink matter. decoy, a uh, pink blind at that point. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, we've shared a lot of knowledge over the years. You know, one of the things that, that Brooks and I, you know, had to preach Primos, and a lot of people are, finally starting to understand it is there's a heat transfer print which is beautiful it gives the greatest detail in the world there's a wet transfer print and that's more of impregnating the fibers the polyfibers with ink uh, on different levels and different layers and what happens with the heat transfer is as uv works magic uh, rather than just fade where the camouflage just gets lighter like an old pair of blue jeans the colors migrate and they migrate towards two different variances. One's blue and one's, you know, red. So they turn pink or they turn kind of a purplish blue. And it'll go to show you, um, you know, oops. But in your situation there where you where you left it uh, be, uh, they were already so used to it. It didn't matter. Yeah, now you could we... probably take that pink blind. You and I could run around. I could set that up and kill a bird a minute and a half later that gobbled down the valley. And it's just one of those things. If it's not moving... Or sun's not, you know, it's not flapping the sun shining on it. Things are getting real crazy. Uh, you you can beat a turkey. You know, the only thing I've noticed with blinds over the years, while we're talking about blinds for just a minute, the first day or so that we set them out, because I've set cameras up around them before just to see how bad it bothered, you know, wildlife. Mm-hmm. Deer are going to snort at it. It bothers. <laughs> they're going to snort at it the first two days, and then it seems like they lose all interest in it because it doesn't move. And I don't know if that's when you set it up, you get more scent out, and they pick it up or what it is. But it seems like for two days, it's going to bother them. You're going to hear them snort all day long. Yeah, it's um. We we call it the fifty one hundred rule, and always have. And what it means is if it's thick enough around there that not in an open field. If, if you're thick enough in there in the woods, you're on trails, you're on funnels or whatever, that you can't really see 50, 7,500 yards, that's when you're going to brush that blind in and break up the outline, okay? Because what a blind does is it meet, it's camo. When the sun's shining on camo, camo looks great. Put the sun behind anybody wearing camo or any blind, and it's a black silhouette, right? So I'm making sense there. Yep. But what we have to do in brushing that blind is we have to do it very naturally so that it's not um, a, a word of warning to them because you're right. We've got scent. You get scent in the bag. The fabric's printed. It's got formaldehyde on it. So when it's shipped from overseas, it, you know, the bugs aren't eating it, so on and so forth. There's all kinds of things that are not in the woods that are on that bag. You know, you can spray it down. You know, we, we have scent away, which is a great product. Take a 32-ounce bottle, you know, spend $20. Is it is it not worth it not to get blown at? Hose the whole thing down, but don't wash a ground line, though. Ground lines have a thing called DWR, durable water resistant finish on them. And if you get out there with your favorite scent soap and you scrub it down and rinse it off, you think, 
bam, this thing's done. Well, what's going to happen is the next time it rains, when all your buddies are sitting in the blind and they're getting blown at and you're not, but they're staying super dry and you're getting just drizzled on in all different directions, it's because you wash that stuff out of the in-between fibers. Spray it down with a, a, a scent-killing spray. You know, like I said, it, the Hunter Specialty is the, the company that we just recently acquired, and that was always my scent elimination. Uh, I've used their deodorant and their soap since they came out. with. You guys probably remember it was a, a clear bottle, green, you know, some green liquid in it. It just yeah, said, yeah. said scent away. And it's so funny that we, we reached uh, this January, we purchased the company. So here's this breath of calls. This is the sent away stuff. And, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is coming full circle. But yeah, ground blinds, if you can brush them in naturally, do it. If you're going to hunt an open area, you have to put them out there. You're going to have to get used to it with that. They're going to see it. Uh, my One of my favorites, though, and you guys never really run into this, is like the Nebraska River bottoms where it's all cottonwoods. And it's wide open, though. The cattle have fed through there, you know, and it's just like this inch point travel corridor where there's very little browse on the ground because the cattle have all taken it out you know and, and tossed it down or ate it and you get these little funnels where the deer come through well i've learned that if you just back it up against a tree put maybe two deadfall logs on it they won't pay any attention to it you know it's it's but you're exactly right on the scent thing but it's very interesting there's all kinds of tips we can share down the road i don't want to take all this time talking about ground blinds but right, unless you guys want to but it, there's some magic ways of beating big mature white tails on a same day set out of a ground blind. And I'll share them with whoever wants to hear them. Well, we can, we're going to be doing a lot of these episodes. So we will keep everybody's attention and we'll bring that one back up on another day. Yeah. We need to bring that up in like August, right? Before everything starts yep. to get serious. When does your season, when's your bow season kick in down there? Is it September 1 or 15th or October? October. So it's October 1st. That yep. usually is. Yeah. So, yeah, we, so we move yeah. into dove season and teal season before. Okay. Yep. Same thing with, with Illinois where I grew up at. And uh, like I said, I went to college down in Southern Arkansas and I don't really recall those dates, but that was before they actually gave diplomas <laughs> out on paper. <laughs> you know, they carved him into a piece of granite. <laughs> here, you graduated. Has it just been that long, or was the time spent there that tough on you to remember? Time spent there was so wonderful. Had there been a job market, I would have never left Southern Arkansas, Magnolia, Arkansas. Um, job market was terrible back then, and I tried doing some oil rig stuff and whatever, and you know, I had a a business degree in statistics i had a two-year degree in graphic arts and i'm like come on now and i was a pro baseball player uh and i, I finished baseball i got out of that when i had injuries and i went back to southern arkansas finished my degree and i wanted to stay there you know i wanted to stay there forever and uh, my mom and dad you know were in illinois and they're like wow you're 14 hours away you ever coming home I'm like nope i love it here <laughs> yeah it's the bass fishing is just incredible, you know, and that's that's the fun thing. And and the public land, hunting animals on the public land, I, I learned how to wallop deer and, and, you know, take turkeys, and oh, it was fun. So that yeah, was a good time. Well, I can I can share that sentiment. I, I wasn't in Arkansas, but we were at Mississippi State in Starkville, and when, when the end of my college was coming to a close, it was – 
I spent a lot of time looking for something where I could stay right there. You know, a nice little college mm-hmm. town. There was plenty of hunting, public land hunting right in the area. I'd made friends with a lot of guys that had places to go in the Delta that we could, you know, I had an opportunity to do things that we don't have in southern Mississippi, although there's plenty of, plenty of wildlife opportunities here, just different things. Uh, bigger deer, more ducks. And it was like, man, if I could just stay here, uh, that that would be nice. But had to hit the road traveling to try to make some money. I think I had one job offer that was like 24000 a truck and benefits. I'm like, well, surely I didn't go to college for this. Um, I, I could have made that much staying at the house and didn't have to have a degree. <laughs> okay, so people that are listening right now, you are going to hear the difference of ages. He just said 24 I know I'm going to have $24. Uh, I'm going to guess it was 24000 I had two college degrees, came out as the uh, management enrollment, uh, branch manager enrollment trainee, trainee for WW Greens, a big industrial wholesaler. I started $8.15, which equates to about 17500 a year, and that was killer. Boom. That was making some money. That, that was a world where that money meant something, though. <laughs> yeah, that is no lie. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, well, the, well, go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead, go ahead, Jacob. Now, the the opportunity I had it was uh, my degree was in forestry, land and timber management, and the big company GP was at that time, and GP made me the offer, and then construction company I'd welded for the summer before said, "Hey, you can work overtime and make seventy with us, and but you got to live out of a motel room." I'm like. Book my room. Where do I go? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about three times the amount of money. Yeah, just sign me up, boys. I'm in. And yep. can't tell you if, if life would have been that much different had I taken the other road. But it's it's been a fun ride so far. I can say that. Well, since since we're kind of just covering broad topics here, you know, get with, with GSM. You mentioned the the shooting sport. You know, uh, companies that are, that are associated with GSM. With, with your involvement with the industry, do you see shooting sports themselves becoming more popular than what they were, say, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah. Great question. 100% certain that it's doubling every day. Um, and, it, and, and it's neat, too, because there are calibers out there that do a lot of things like long range shooting and so on and so forth. You know, there's there's different um, barrels and, and for you know, porting and fluting and stuff like that. So the recoil is really down so you can get your kids into, you know, shooting a little 243 or, you know, I've got a, a rifle that's set up old barrel. It's a long range rifle, uh, 6.5 Creedmoor. And, you know, with it ported on the end of that, yeah. You would normally hear sound. I wear walkers all the time with my kid, but as do my kids. But there's no recoil to this, and and to watch your kids, you know, pull up a two liter bottle of pop at, you know, 400, 500 yards, and, and do it on a regular basis is just a hoot. So you're seeing this weird world of what's going on, and it's really sad to see. But you've got a lot of people that are, are worried about their Second Amendment rights, rightfully so, as I am. You have a lot of people that fear they're going to have to protect themselves uh, with a firearm, and, and the world is pointing that way, too, unfortunately. But you also have these new calibers, these new great movements of technology. Walkers is one of the greatest examples. You know, we all remember like Walker's game ear. You know, that was a little amplified tube and a piece of foam, you know, in your ear that Bob Walker had set up and, and, and really took the, that industry by storm. 
And when GSM got into it, and like I said, we're innovators. You know, we're the manufacturers. We're the people. The you know, we have an engineering team that, that works on audio engineering. And you get this where all of a sudden you've got these new amplified earmuffs or inner ear systems that will amplify up to five times your ambient sound. So if you're at a gun range and people are talking to you and guns are shooting, as soon as those loud explosions uh, over, let's say, I think it's 86 decibels, that's when they trip uh, trip in. And they'll take it down to 86 decibels. Let's say it's a shot over 100, and it'll bring it down. News noise reduction of 24, noise reduction of 29, or anything like that. The neat thing is, is you can have these conversations. You probably all remember wearing earmuffs, hearing protection. If you wore it when you are a kid, I didn't you know, until I was a little older, but... You're, you're wearing it, and you can't hear what Dad's telling you. So you pull the thing off your ear. And if you're at a trap club, there's somebody shooting behind you, you know, or if you're shooting skeet for the first time. You know, this way, you can carry on this conversation. You're hearing each other amplified. You can hear each other whisper. And if there's that bang, you know, that loud sound, you know, sound waves travel slower than the air, so the, the walker shuts it down in a nanosecond. You don't even hear it. And it'll, it'll reduce it, you know, 26 decibels. Then it'll come right back up to the amplified. So it's one of those things. You're, you're, it's not cutting it completely off. Where if you were having a conversation like this, no, it, it's just it takes those loud sounds and buckles them down. So that's some of that technology that's never been out there, and it makes you guys probably know as well as I do. You take a newcomer, whether it be your wife or a kid, and if they shoot a gun without hearing protection and without glasses, it scares them. Okay. They're not necessarily flinching because of the recoil. That gun goes off, and that sound makes their eyes blink. And you, you know, as well as I do, a great shooter, you know, if a duck shooter, whatever, you never shut your eyes. You know, the eyes, you just become part of the gun and don't worry about it. Well, we've shot hundreds of thousands of rounds to get to that point, but when we're introducing little kids to the industry, the last thing that you want is for that sound to scare them. So you put on a set of great electronic uh, ear earmuffs, and all of a sudden that sound is suppressed where they like it, and they can deal with the recoil. And my kids have fallen in love with shooting their 243 and this, this 6.5 Creedmoor. And it, it's one of those things that hearing protection makes all the difference in the world. You know, So that's a technology enhancement that has come that has taken us and helped GSM actually drive. You know, That's one of the pillars of this company. Well, Keith, and also to take it to a different level, like you just said, you can have a conversation while you're shooting. We take kids yeah. to the skeet range all the time, whether it's ours or other kids, and we're always trying to help people work on, you know, and we, we've been tutored a, many a time over the years also. But if you have a younger or beginning shooter and you're trying to help them, hey, you know, finish your swing, don't stop your shot, right. you know, lead the target – they're not constantly having to take their earmuffs on and off to be able to do that. You can do it in between shots and it's, you know, it's just feels comfortable. It feels natural to them. So after they shoot, you can say, Hey baby, just, you know, keep, keep, stay with the swing. You stopped your shot. That's why you shot behind it. You can give that instruction and it's not a, it's not a burdensome problem. They're not yanking something on, putting something back out. You know, I mean, it's just everything stays smoother, and it's a it's an easier conversation and transition while you're doing it. Well, I'll, I'll have some uh, walkers sent down to you guys because we have these razors, and they're at the top of the line. Uh, you know, we have these new Excels, and we have some uh, razor extremes. But 
these razors, we also make them the electronic versions in a ladies and a junior size and even a toddler. So let's say, for instance, you, you want to take your kids to a truck pole or something, you know, they'll fit a two year old. And that's what you want to do is, is our hearing is one of the things we lose as we get older, especially if you've been in a machine shop or you just shot millions of rounds, you know, you're going to lose it. Or if you're my buddy Nugent, he's on stage, you know, cranking out 130 decibels with his guitar over time, he'll say, well, huh? to me a lot like he does and we just laugh about it but um, it's it's one of those things i'll send you guys down some uh, junior sizes and some regular sizes and that way when you go out and mentor when you're when you're taking somebody it is so much fun to put hearing protection on that you can whisper to somebody and what, what i mean by that is like my son is is a crack shot he's a little he's a little annie oakley but he's a boy okay i don't know a young man that used to be a great shot but he um He'll sit there and he'll, he'll his breathing will get erratic. And, and I'll tell him, you know, just deep breath in, let it out. As soon as you stop that, just slowly squeeze the trigger and let it let it buck and let it you know spook you a little. And I can whisper that to him. You know, whereas before you would be yelling to him. So if there's anybody else out there, it sounds like you're yelling at your child. You know, you've got hearing protection on. He's got hearing. You're yelling, hoping he can hear it. You know, and it, 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 that's one of those things that you can mentor people. You can also give commands that you never really could before. You know, something walks behind that target. Let's say a deer walks behind it and it's out of season and you don't have a license with it. Just say, no, 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 no. And that you don't have to holler it. And they, they've, they've caught on to that. So it's a great way of teaching children, interacting with, with new shooters and, and getting that going. So, Jeremy, I think you asked the question, is, is the shooting sports growing uh, tremendously? Yeah, and, it, and not only, you know, with the, with the hearing protection side of it, it seems like technology is growing with with more with other components as well with shooting oh, sports. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you know, look at look at look at shotguns. You know, in general, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of and and you know other the components of shotguns, the shells. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, you know for shooting sports, it seems like it's growing. It has for me. Um, you know, I've I'm more involved now in shooting sports than I've in the past five years. I have been in the last twenty, but. Um, it just seems like it's the the industry is kind of going that way, and and I like it. Um, you know, I enjoy the heck out of it. So uh, I was just kind of kind of getting your feel on that to see if that was pretty much if that was consistent across the industry. If that was just you know in my my tunnel vision of it, I guess. Well, well here's a great example. When when you guys got into shooting sports, shooting rifles, let's say, think about your yardage shot. You know, so when you guys are down there and, and a lot of it's timber, or a lot of it, you know, some decent food plots or whatever, open land or meadows. What's what's when you're practicing or when you're out shooting with your buddies, how far are you shooting a gun? 100 yards, 200 yeah. at the most. Yeah. 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 See, and, and I, I got the Vortex scope. I don't remember. It's a Viper, the, the tactical long range scope. And I put this on the Creedmoor. And you zero it out, which I never zeroed a scope out in my life, and I didn't even know what that meant. And you use the turret clicks to uh, work up and down and to uh, work left and right rather than, you know, you'd always take the cap off and you make adjustments and whatever. And there you were, 100 yards, it shoots 100 yards, it shoots 100 yards. I can click up and click up and click up, and I take this screen more, and all of a sudden, 1,000 yards is realistic. And the scope has a focus ring that, or a focal dial on the other side of the scope. So when you're zoomed in at 30 power, 
Now, you guys have a lot more heat, so you guys have a lot of heat wave down there. I don't know. We have some clear skies and cool temps, so that works really good for us. But, you know, all of a sudden, I'm doing a dial on a focus ring on a, a silhouette that's out there, and, you know, I'm going to hit it, and I'm not a sniper. But I can tell you, off a good set of sandbags, I, I can do it. And it's unbelievable. I've been a bow hunter all my life, and now I'm falling in love. And that's technology, just like you said, of the scope and the ammunition. You know, and holy cow, you know, you never thought about that. You know, it, it, it's fun. Well, and I believe that, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but the availability has grown tremendously in the last few years of different places you can go whether it's a state facility or a private facility where you can actually go and you can shoot a pistol, you can shoot a rifle, you can shoot a shotgun, you know, you have more avenues to be able to go and, and do a sport and, and it's quickly becoming a sport. I know here with the 4-H, uh, uh, the kids are getting involved. They're shooting bows. They're shooting shotguns more, air rifles, air pistols. And yeah. you know there's those, a, those there's are another future great example technology air rifles. Holy cow! You and I when we grew up there, Crossman seven sixty or Benjamin. Now, yep. now they have some serious stuff. We had a Red Rider. <laughs> how many? Rider. How many? How many pumps could I get out of the Benjamin <laughs> when I was a kid? <laughs> <laughs> yep, pulling it towards your chest, the old blue. Uh, and, and, yep. and then prayed you, you, you didn't fingers. get your finger. You get your fingers. Four pumps in. Trying to get that fifth snap. It shuts with that wooden little cup around the barrel. And you look down and you got a blood blister on your finger and you're crying like there's no tomorrow. You're like, I can't go back and tell dad that. <laughs> now I got to tough this one out. Yeah. But it, it, it's amazing. It is. It, 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 it's so good in the 4-H and these shooting sports. When I grew up, we had trapping ski clubs. Now you got sporting clays. Now you got rifle ranges. Now you got pistol ranges. It, it, it's exactly the, the, the world is catching on to it. And giving us so many different ways of testing things and doing things. That it is. Well, Mr. Keith, man, we're about running out of time on this. Yeah, one, you'll never I, invite I, me back. I will. I feel like we have we're, we're we're just scratching the surface. We got a long way to go, man. We're gonna have to uh, we got to get a few more episodes out of you at least now. <laughs> you're, you're gonna, you're, you should look at the talk count, like the speech count, like run that through some kind of <laughs> dialect counter. It'd be like, B mentioned 5 million words. Jeremy said 30. J- Jacob did 160. Well, but see, with you as the guest, that's the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> you, 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 follow, yeah. you follow script perfectly. Yeah. You're, right, you're right where you're supposed to be. That's no problem, Beamer. We're good to go. Well, that, that's that. That's the thing too. Is is if you think about it from three guys sitting in a family room talking, but me rambling off. Whoever is in the reclining chair is asking for toothpicks. They're like, seriously, he's got to shut up sometime. He's got to come up for air. He's got to stop what he's doing. You know, I do a lot of public speaking. <laughs> I have fun with it. I uh, I, I love doing it. Uh. And it and, yeah, so just tell me to shut up. Uh, you know, I told Jacob that the other day. I'm like, nip it. Uh, you're not going to bother me. I'm not going to Oh, man. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. But everybody, we're out of time for this one. We appreciate y'all for listening to this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. God bless. God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southern air. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. 
I get the radio on. 